Good morning, all listeners. It's Saturday, December 16th, 2023. It is 8.07 a.m. Pacific time, and this is episode 297 of Ball Talk with Boogie and the Baron. Ah, Boogie! And I am the Baron. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Saturday, happy bowl season, happy college hoops, and happy first week of the NFL season, Boogie, where we have NFL football on a Saturday with a triple header on NFL Network. Yeah, it's going to be a great uh, time. This is a great season for football, for holidays, uh, for just a lot of enjoyment of uh, the seasons. We got basketball, we got NHL. We got college basketball with the NBA, and of course, we've got the college football bowl game starting today, as well as NFL Saturday with a triple hitter. We have a lot to talk about today. We have four plays today and four plays tomorrow. We've been on a little bit of a hiatus. We have not uh, talked to you guys since December 1st. There's been a lot of traveling. We've been doing a lot of things, and uh, it's going to get more of the same. This will be, uh, it's we usually twice a week, and... This month is always the busy part of the year, most wonderful time of the year, Um, and we'll catch you guys for episode 298, two Saturdays from now on the 30th as Christmas time, lots of traveling and stuff going on, so we appreciate you being being with us here this morning. Boogie, before we dive in, we have a a Final Four in the college football playoff. The committee selected their teams. Uh, We have Alabama and Michigan at the Rose Bowl, Texas and Washington, in the Sugar Bowl, Florida State undefeated, left out. Georgia, one loss in the last two years, left out. Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting uh, situation happened with the uh, committee deciding to go with, uh, they felt like the two best one-loss teams over a Florida State team that never, ever, ever had been left out of a Power 5 team that had been undefeated uh, since this whole playoff has started. And uh, Florida State... Definitely got shafted as, uh, you know, they're down to their third-string quarterback. But it didn't matter. Third-string quarterback or not, they win the game against Louisville to become an undefeated season. A lot of controversy with that. I have my own feelings on that. Um, You know, and to be the man, you got to beat the man. And Florida State definitely, I believe, uh, earned their right, no matter how you look at it, because it's a team game. And doesn't matter who your quarterback is. You had great defense with Florida State. The defense stepped up when when uh, Travis went out. Travis Jordan, their quarterback, goes out uh, a few weeks back, and you get the second string quarterback to pull out some wins. Their third string quarterback comes in and wins that ACC championship. And I believe in my heart that they should be able to be going in. And uh, we won't have this issue next year because it's yeah. twelve teams that go into the playoff. But uh, what a travesty! They now play Georgia in the bowl game, so we'll see if they can silence the doubters. I think that if they get blown out by Georgia, then the committee made the right decision. I think that if they beat Georgia, then you're talking about the AP crowning a potential co-national champion. You never know what's going to happen in this sport. And like you said, next year we won't have to worry about it. You know, the four teams that got in, two undefeateds with Michigan undefeated winning the Big Ten, Washington undefeated winning the Pac-12, uh, one loss Texas winning the Big 12 in a big way. And Alabama, one loss team, knocking off the powerhouse Georgia in the SEC title game. 
And, you know, and I think that's what the committee looked at. They looked at Florida State getting, sliding into that four, that three hole, whoever they would have played, um, probably less money and, and all types of other things probably went into it. But when you look at it, Texas beat Alabama at Alabama, so they get the two, and Alabama beat Georgia, they get the one. And unfortunately, Florida State and Georgia left out. And I think Georgia has as almost as much of a reason to gripe about being left out as Florida State, given the fact that they've won 29 games in a row, and on game number 30, they lost to Alabama by six points in the SEC championship game. Um, they were definitely a deserving bunch but that's the problem with only having four teams, um, you know. And if you go down to the to the BCS part of it, your national championship would have just been Michigan and Washington, right? And then we wouldn't be having this conversation because then you're talking about Florida State, Washington, and Michigan being undefeated, and Florida State doesn't have their quarterback, therefore they're not better. And if you remember, the BCS was all computer metrics; there were no arguments. These are the two best teams based off of our computer me- metrics. Now, uh, to quote Mike Greenberg, is kind of like a, um, a figure skating judge. Mm. You know, you're, you're judging. You have human beings judging who the better team is. I kind of understand the whole backup quarterback thing, but raw deal for Florida State, nonetheless. Um, do I think they're better than Alabama with the third-string quarterback? I do not. Do I think I'm be- they're better than any of those teams with the third-string quarterback? I do not. So I see both sides of it, but. Next year, like I said, we won't have to worry about this, but the likelihood of Florida State going undefeated next year with a loaded ACC with a bunch of teams transferring into the conference, not having Jordan Travis anymore, going to be kind of problematic for the Seminoles. So, sucks for Florida State, sucks for Georgia, but we got four teams. And, you know, I think we have two really good games on New Year's Day, and I think both of them will come down to the wire. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, you can't, you got to give it up for Alabama, though. Uh, you know, they could have lost in the Iron Bowl very easily, a miraculous win the week before uh, to be able to take that uh, that game and then to get into that SEC championship game against Georgia and take down the big bad Bulldogs. It was just an unbelievable win for them and got to give it up for them. I mean, to be the man, you got to beat the man. They beat the man, beating Georgia. Uh, it does suck for Georgia as well. Mm-hmm. And, of course, how do you leave Texas out after they beat Alabama for their only their only defeat uh, earlier in the season. So mm-hmm. definitely understand the concept. It just sucks for some of these other teams. It does. Florida State got a raw deal. They deserve to play for a championship, but a uh, 12 guys decided not to put them in. Uh, live lines right now, Michigan's a one-point favorite against Alabama, and Texas is a four-and-a-half-point favorite against Washington. Those games can be seen on New Year's Day at 2 and 5.45 Pacific. Doubleheader ESPN stealing the show on New Year's Day. Um, That's going to be great because we're going to be coming back here on the 30th. A lot of traveling and stuff for Christmas. So on the 30th, we'll pretty much discuss the big bowl games, the college playoff, and then the NFL that week as well. But what a great way to end the year. You have New Year's Eve falling on a Sunday. So New Year's Eve, you have NFL all day long, then the ball drops that night, and then the next day you got the semifinals. It's going to be unbelievable. Can't wait. It's going to be a a very fun time to be alive. We have a lot to go into today on episode 297 as we finalized our capping. 
Eight plays for you guys these next couple of days. Looking forward to that. And our first bowl game has actually kicked off with Georgia Southern and Ohio in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. And right now Ohio has first and goal at the three-yard line. And I love when games are going on when we're doing this. Yeah, so it's awesome. Give live look-ins. Georgia Southern and Ohio, it was looking to be a uh, some weather down there in Myrtle Beach today. But uh, bowl season is upon us as the first Bowl game has kicked off between Georgia Southern and Ohio down in Myrtle Beach. Our our one and only bowl game that we like this weekend um, actually comes from a uh, smaller conference. And the reason being is we looked at all the bowl games this weekend. And, you know, in years past, there's been a lot of players opting out of these smaller bowl games because they're going to the NFL draft. But now it's a double-edged sword because there's now also players opting out that are entering the transfer portal. So any player going to the draft and any player going to the portal will not play in any of these early season bowl games. Um, The only high-end players that are really going to play in these big games are going to be in New Year's Six Bowls, most importantly the college football playoff. So when I looked, and Boogie and I looked into all of these games, there is a magnitude of players that will not be suiting up for all of these teams. And I'm talking big-time players. Mm. Texas Tech, two of their top receivers, bunch of def- bunch of players on Cal, bunch of play- Miami's like entire team, Miami, Ohio, 11-2, MAC champions, 7-point underdog against App State. Why? Because their whole team's sitting out. Makes travesty. Really does for these bowl games. A lot of guys from Fresno. Boise State's quarterback. A lot of guys on UCLA. So we couldn't really get there with any of these higher conference bowl games. But one bowl game that we did, that did strike our fancy, is Howard and Florida A&M in the Cricket Celebration Bowl. Many of you probably don't even know what the heck that even is, so let me explain it to you. This is kind of the HBCU championship game. If you remember Jackson State with Coach Prime, they won this thing a couple years in a row before Prime took all of his players to Colorado. So the way it's set up on that end of things is whoever wins the MEAC and whoever wins the SWAC, two conferences we're very familiar with in college basketball, not so much in college football, However, whoever wins the MEAC championship and whoever wins the SWAC championship play each other in the Celebration Bowl, which is essentially the impromptu HBCU championship game, which means you'll have some good athletes. Probably, you know, and this is a big game, so nobody in the portal for this one. Um, this is a, like I said, HBCU championship game, and a lot of athletes are now getting recognized at these HBCUs, especially with the influence of Coach Prime and what he did for Jackson State and getting you know Travis Hunter and Shadur Sanders and Shiloh Sanders all to Colorado as marquee players in big power conference college football. With that being said, our Celebration Bowl pits a 6-5 Howard Bison team against an 11-1 Florida A&M Rattlers team. Howard has had an up-and-down year, but they did win the MEAC by beating Morgan State, who was 4-6, 14-7 last week. Florida A&M has won every single game on their schedule by multiple possessions. Their only loss of the season was way back on September the 9th at South Florida, who is in a bowl game. They're bowl eligible, so they lost to a AAC bowl-eligible team 
38-24 on the road in South Florida. And they gave them everything they wanted. They led 7-0 in that game. It was a back-and-forth contest. South Florida ended up scoring a touchdown at the end of the game to defeat Florida A&M and put it away. But if you look at it, Florida A&M outgained USF. And uh, first downs, more first downs and better time of possession. And the only real reason they lost this game is they turned the ball over five times against USF. Five to zero. Now, against these other teams, they've done nothing but dominate. You look across their schedule, and we'll just concentrate on, say, games since November. 21-point win in the SWAC championship game. 17-point win to Bethune-Cookman. 28-point win against Lincoln. 14-point win against Alabama A&M. And 45-7 against Prairie View again. This team's won every single game on their schedule by a ton of points, and their only loss is at South Florida. Nothing to ride home about. This has blowout potential. Um, we found a diamond in the rough, if you will, and we are taking FAMU, baby. Florida A&M Rattlers 11-1 to win the Celebration Bowl, HBCU champions. And don't think for a second that a lot of these kids on Florida A&M will celebrate after this game and transfer to a major D1 program and be effective. Mm -hmm. They got athletes down there. Florida A&M minus seven, our first play, 9 a.m. ABC. Yeah, both the Florida A&M uh, and Howard both have really good uh, teams. Uh, of course, as far as offenses go, both of them can score. However, Florida A&M, I believe their quarterback, Musa, will be on fire today. Uh, better offense here, uh, of course, I think historically, too, uh, A&M will be able to dominate in this series, has dominated in this series I like A&M to be able to take care of business, outscore this team, and be able to cover that point spread. Florida A&M minus seven, better offense, going going to win. Jeremy Musa is going to be the best player on the field. He's a 6'3 senior from Chino Hills. He's got 2,600 yards, 19 touchdowns, seven picks. He is a senior, but do not be surprised if he goes out on top here, graduates, and does a grad transfer to one of those bigger schools. Maybe something on the West Coast, being that from he's from Chino Hills. Maybe he goes to Stanford or a cow or something like that. Right. But Jeremy Musa, remember the name, will be a starting quarterback for a major conference team next year after finalizing his career at Florida A&M and being one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the program. Remember, Florida A&M, they were the ones battling Jackson State when Coach Prime was there. That's right. They played in back-to-back -back celebration bowls against Jackson State. Lost both, but it was close. Mm -hmm. So Florida A&M now the cream of the crop in the HBCU market. And don't be surprised if their head coach gets some offers from some bigger schools and brings a boatload of talent with him, similar to how Coach Prime did it. Exactly. So that's our angle on that Florida A&M minus seven, our lone bowl game of the weekend. We move to chronological order here to the NFL. We move to 10 o'clock on the NFL Network. Like we said before, we have a triple header of NFL action on this Saturday with games at 10, 1.30, and 5.15. All can be seen on the NFL Network. And Boogie, I'll tell you what, this season is coming down to the wire for a lot of teams. And the two teams that are involved in this game, they have a lot of... They have a lot to play for. They have a lot of playoff aspirations, if you will. 
<clears throat> we're talking about the Vikings at the Bengals. Now, both of these teams come into this contest at 7-6. and six. And it's so much parity in the NFL this year that a 9-8 and eight season, you got a shot to get in in both conferences. And both of these teams have that opportunity right in front of them. When you look at the Bengals, they're one of six teams in the AFC tied at 7-6. and six. And when you look at Minnesota, they're 7-6, and six, and they're just hanging on by a thread to that sixth seed. And they're coming off that snooze-fest 3-0 victory in Las Vegas last week. And the Bengals, Jake Browning has really settled in nicely as a starting quarterback for Cincinnati. If you remember, Burrow got hurt. Uh, Browning's first start was against the Steelers. Not a rookie quarterback. We all know what Tomlin does coaching-wise against these first-time starters. Mm -hmm. And my Steelers clipped him. And then um, the last couple of games, he's played very well. Now, granted, he got to go up against a pair of backup quarterbacks, and he gets to do that again today. Um, They had a 34-31 OT win. He was magnificent in that game against Jacksonville amid Trevor Lawrence got hurt, and he was going against C.J. Bethard at the end. Um, and obviously for the Colts, Gardner Minshew's been a great backup. He's been struggling a little lately, but at home they crushed the Colts 34-14. The Colts have no idea how to play defense, though, so 29th in the league. Um, and now they get the Vikings at home, and uh, Nick Mullins is making his first start in a couple of years. He is the most um, experienced quarterback in that room with Kirk Cousins being out. And uh, at first we thought Dobbs had the juice, but uh, once he got settled in, um, really struggled, and uh, head coach is now making a change to Nick Mullins, and we haven't seen Nick Mullins in, in a couple years. He came in at the end of the Raiders game and got them in the field goal range for that uh, Joseph field goal to beat the Raiders last week. Um, but I think the bottom line here is, is is the talent level of this Cincinnati team. Being at home, Super Bowl experience, better division, and um, I just think they're the better team, and, and they're at home. And uh, Browning's been very efficient, hasn't turned the ball over. You know, he's finding Jamar Chase in those windows. Uh, Mixon's holding down the ground game. And uh, their defense has like a bend but don't break mentality. And being at home here, early kickoff, I think this is a very important game for both teams. But I think it's a little more important for Cincinnati as they're in that six-way tie as opposed to Minnesota, who's 7-6 and and have a bunch of teams behind them at six and seven. I think this is an opportunity for things to tighten up in Cincinnati to put pressure on the other seven and six teams. And Boogie and I second play of the day at ten o'clock on NFL Networks of Cincinnati Bengals money line minus a dollar seventy. Yeah, I like Jake Browning. I like the way he's been playing uh the quarterback position the last couple of games. Uh you also have some uh questionable players for Minnesota uh health wise uh, Jefferson's a game time decision after coming back after six, seven games out. Comes back, gets cracked by the Raiders last week in the back after 13 plays, and now he might not play. Uh, Alexander Madison's also uh, out, uh, I believe. Ty Chandler is going to be coming in for him. Uh, decent running back for the Vikings, but uh, that quarterback position is so important as we see in the NFL. And I think Mullins uh, starting the game today on the road. In that Cincinnati uh, stadium, I believe Browning will get some extra juice there at home. And uh, I like the the offense better 
on the Cincinnati side. You're asking me just to win the game. Give me the Bengals minus 170. Should be able to take care of business uh, with that high-powered offense. The Bengals are 4-3 and three at home this season, and they are winners of two straight games. And uh, it's very big for both teams. I think Browning outshines Nick Mullins, and the Bengals get a win to start the day off. We're skipping the Steelers and Colts game. Only reason that is, is number one, I think the line's fluky in this one. Indianapolis is a one-point favorite. Steelers are coming off the worst two-game stretch in franchise history. Being the first team, I have to drop this stat. I know we're not giving a play out in this game, but I have to drop this stat. It has never in my lifetime been harder to be a Steeler fan than it is right this moment. Now, everything can change today if we win this game. But did you know, Boogie? That the last two games, the Steelers lost to the two and ten Cardinals and the two and ten Patriots at home. That's bad. And as you know, they became the first team in NFL history history to be over five hundred and lose back to back home teams home games against teams that are eight games under five hundred. That's a bad stat. It's never bad <clears throat> never happened before. We it was a short week. We lost to Arizona on a Sunday. We lost to the Patriots on a Thursday. I have no faith. I don't have any skin in the game. I'm obviously going to root for my Steelers. And I think the line's a little weird. Indianapolis can score points. Pittsburgh cannot. But Indianapolis doesn't play defense. Right. And you have backup quarterbacks. A lot going on. Go Steelers. <laughs> Good luck, uh, bet, at your own, Good bet, luck. At, bet at your own risk, though. It's a toss-up game. And, and just hoping my boys can pull it together to get to 8-6. and Because them and the Colts are two of the other six teams in that 7-6 and six. Just gauntlet of wild card teams right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at Broncos and Lions though for the nightcap five fifteen tonight, and um, we are looking at a Broncos team who has played very very well as of late. They've won four out of five games. Only loss was a last second twenty two to seventeen loss at Houston. They looked really really complete. In L.A., granted, L.A. is a debacle right now, firing their coach, GM, and some assistants after giving up 63 to the Raiders. But um, I just think things are really coming together for Denver. Uh, Sean Payton being there, Russell's playing better, Javante's running the football with P. Ryan. Um, they're finding their tight ends and their receivers out wide. Cam Sutton is a top five receiver in this league this year with all those one-handed grabs and toe taps and all that stuff. And um, in the last... Seven games, Denver has only given up about 15 points a game. Their um, their points per game allowed is so inflated because of that 70-point debacle back in October against Miami. Um, and they started this season 1-5, and, and here they are, 7-6, and six, another wild-card team that is jammed up in that AFC. And... The Lions are starting to become, I'd say, what's the right words here, books? Hit or miss. They're a hit or miss team, man. You mm-hmm. never know. They're like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get with this team. You know, they squeak out wins against the Chargers and Bears. They lose at home to the Packers on Thanksgiving. And it just felt like Thanksgiving with them losing at home. Um, they come back, they win at New Orleans. Almost gave that game away at a 21-0 lead. Saints battle back. They squeak it out. And then last week they go down to, you know, 3-8 and eight or 4-8 and eight Chicago and, and, and get blasted. Just never know what you're going to get. And I think the consistency piece as of late 
has been there on the Broncos' side. Um, and I think taking the points here is safe. This fits the criteria for Boogie and I to where we think the Broncos can go in here and steal this game. Um, Lions got some questionable defensive uh, issues right now. So I think the Broncos have a better defense, a more experienced head coach, Super Bowl winning MVP quarterback, um, and perhaps a better running game and offensive line. So across all areas, I think Denver is playing better football and has a more complete football team right now. And I think they have a chance to win this game. Therefore, our uh, second and final NFL pick is going to be the Broncos plus the five points at the Lions. We think they can win this one. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Denver has definitely turned around their season. Uh, It took a while as Sean Payton and Russell Wilson seem to be back on the same page. Uh, Boy, speaking of uh, Sean Payton... Uh, did you see that travesty the other night with the, the, the Chargers getting blown out by the Raiders? Yeah, fired everybody. Uh, fired everybody, and uh, so now Staley's out. Raiders crushed 63-21 on Thursday night. And uh, for Sean Payton and uh, this Denver team, it looks like, uh, like I said, they are turning things around. This Lions team, uh, you know, they have been a little bit inconsistent lately. And you're uh, giving five points at home. Um, I like the way that Russell's been able to be more of a game manager, quote-unquote, uh, and be able to not make as many mistakes and turning the ball over. Uh, and I think the Broncos do have a good confidence level going up right now. You're getting five points on the road, field goal game. Either way, I feel like the Broncos have a chance to get this game and win it. Uh, Cortland Sutton's been on fire, like you said, uh, on that uh, offensive side. The defense is playing pretty good for Denver, and uh, I think that it can be a close game. Uh, Let's go with the Broncos, plus five. Yes, and to your point also with the way Denver's playing – they kind of need this a little bit more than Detroit. When you look at the standings, Detroit, I mean, unless Minnesota can catch them, which we don't think Minnesota's going to win today, Detroit's got a three-game lead for that three seed. I mean, I highly doubt Detroit will surpass Dallas, Philly, or San Francisco, whoever you know wins that NFC East or whatever. But I don't think they're going to get past any of those, like two, two of those three teams. So you kind of have Detroit just kind of sitting tall in that three-hole. Um, and if they finish even 9-8, and eight, they could lose out, finish 9-8, and eight, and still win a division title and still be the three seed because that NFC South champion, it could be like the NFC South back in the day when uh, they finished with a losing record and the Seahawks with a losing record host the Saints who are 11-5 and yep. in the wild card round. Yep. So Detroit's kind of doesn't – really have the urgency for me to kind of get there with them. So Broncos getting five, I think it's a good play, chance to win, and, and they're in one of those several teams in that log jam area in the uh, in the AFC playoff picture. And I think it's funny because by the time we're done with Sunday's games, we would we will probably we are definitely going to discuss every single seven and six team. So that's the main point. Um before we get on to Sunday NFL. We got a really big time college basketball game. Hell yeah. And it takes me back to the COVID madness. Remember COVID in 2021? Yep. No fans. 
All the games were played in Indianapolis. Yes. Um, at like six different gyms. And oh, man. And one of those gyms were Gamebridge Fieldhouse mm-hmm. in Indianapolis, which is where the best college game of the day is taking place. Number one, Arizona, who's 8 0 against number three, Purdue, who's 9 1. Purdue's one loss was at a boo booey led Northwestern team, 92 88 in overtime. Arizona has not lost a game this year and, quite frankly, have been dominant. They have notable wins at Duke. They beat Michigan State, who's kind of having a rough start with their tough schedule. But what what really opened my eyes to Arizona was last Saturday when they were a a 9.5-point favorite at home against Wisconsin and blew Wisconsin's doors off. Wisconsin looks like a tournament team. They do. That's That's a... Probably a second-round madness matchup, potentially. And you beat them 98-73. Now, Purdue's strengths of Zach Eady, obviously, player of the year candidate, dominating 25-11. and But Arizona got the big men to match up. And let's not forget, Kayla Love transferred from North Carolina. Kashaw Johnson transferred from the national runner-up San Diego State Aztecs. This kid Boswell's been good. And they got uh, Larson and um, Ballo in the paint. Uh, Arizona more of a complete team. I think they can run uh, Purdue, and I think that's going to be the mismatch. Um, the only way Purdue hangs in this game is if they slow it down and, and get it down to Edie and play good defense. But Arizona is the number one team in the country in transition points, which means when they grab those misses, they're gone. They're on the other end in a quick manner. Uh, they got playmakers. And as of right now, they look like the best team in the country. Um, and that's where we're going to go. They're minus $1.25 on Moneyline on Peacock at one thirty this afternoon. We're taking the number one team in the country to beat Purdue. Arizona Moneyline minus one twenty five. You know, I've always been an Arizona backer. I love Carolina, uh, you know, and uh, obviously I've got Houston uh, in my pocket uh, the last several years as well. Mm-hmm. This Arizona, t- uh, Arizona team, though, the Wildcats, uh, surprisingly, with all of their uh, great talent they've had over the years, they are number one now for uh, only the first time since 2014. Um, you yeah. know, and they they've really been able to get uh, a lot of these recruits back after all of the scandals and everything that's been going on. Uh, they were able to take care of their their lineup, transfer portal, and all, led by Caleb Love. And uh, Love, we're not sure, you know, but it seems like this is a really good fit for him. Uh, he likes to run and gun uh, exactly what Arizona does. Yeah. Uh, you know, they played a really, really uh, good defensive team last weekend. I loved laying the nine and a half, of course. I yeah. believed in them against Wisconsin, uh-huh. and uh, they showed up. Not only are they undefeated uh, straight up, they are also undefeated against the spread as well. If you wow. didn't know that, my friends. Top ATS team in the country. Yes, sir. Uh, they go five deep. Arizona does. Zach Eady on the other side with Purdue is great. He's uh, probably going to win National Player of the Year if uh, Purdue continues their winning ways. Uh, <clears throat> but we also see in college basketball some major uh, college basketball players, but doesn't show up sometimes once they go to the next level. And uh, Ballo and Crevis, I believe, will be able to contain Zach Eady. Uh, for Arizona, and I think that uh, if they do try to slow it down, it won't happen because they'll be able to outpace Purdue just like they outpaced Wisconsin last week. Uh, give me Arizona to win this game straight up against the spread. 
Uh, Arizona minus 125, be able to show them and the country who the real bad number two, number one team is in the country right now. I think this is going to be a long run for Arizona too, and it's going to take a lot for them to be uh, defeated uh, for this season. I flat out just think Arizona's got the better basketball thing. I think Purdue's success is predicated on one guy as opposed to Arizona has several guys that can beat you. And if you look across the board at the team's stats, they're better in every statistical category as a team that you can think of. They score about eight more points a game. Leading scoring team in the country with 94 points a game on offense. Um, 64 points allowed compared to Purdue's 69. So they score eight more points a game. They give up about five less. They have a higher field goal percentage. Uh, They have more rebounds, assists, steals. Blocks are even, which that's to be expected because you have a 7-5 man in the paint. So he's going to block everything that comes into into the lane. Arizona is just a better team, and I think they're going to show the world at 130 on Peacock why they are. They're going to beat Purdue, and I think this could be, depending on what happens with Kansas um, playing at Indiana, I think it could be an opportunity for Arizona to roll into next week as a unanimous number one. Um, very good basketball team down there in Tucson. All right, Boogs, we got four games in the NFL on Sunday. Uh, that's going to be tomorrow. We got uh, three at 10 a.m. and one at 125. And we actually like the first three games on the card. 10 o'clock on Fox is the Bears and the Browns. Uh, Bears are just kind of uh, sitting around. They have Carolina's draft pick, so they're locked into that. And you can tell by last week's performance that they're definitely trying to win football games. But they're coming off an emotional win against Detroit at home, and now they got to go and travel to Cleveland, who has a 6-1 and home record and one of the best defenses in the league. And they're led by Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Who has came in and has been slicing and dicing. Just signed a contract with these guys. It's very exciting for Joe. And uh, the Browns are in the thick of this uh, this playoff race. In the and thick of things. They're in the thick of it, man. They're 8-5. and five. They're a, a, a step above all of these 7-6 and six teams we talked about. Um, coming in at 8-5 at home, playing a Bears team that's 5-8. and eight. Uh, Bears essentially in that like win out or you're out mode right now. Um, and the funny thing is the only two teams mathematically eliminated so far are the Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. So still a shot, outside shot. Numbers are not in their favor, but there's a chance. Just don't think Chicago has what it takes to go to Cleveland and, and win this football game. Bottom line, uh, Cleveland Browns minus $1.45. I think that's an easy winner. Yeah, I mean, Joey Flacco, 38-year-old Joey Flacco, uh, on the free agent market for a while, all season, signs with the the Browns, uh, and they wind up bringing them up due to DTR. Obviously, uh, had some injury issues at quarterback all year long. Uh, now you got this Browns team though with the number one defense in the league at home, six and one, like you said, my friend, and uh, they're playing a Justin Fields led quarterback that is coming back to Ohio. Yeah. Played at Ohio State. Yes, he did. And uh, you're going to look at this team, though, and say, you know, what's going to happen? This Browns team is led uh, in the defense as well. Uh, You're looking at Miles Garrett being able to take care of business against this Bears team. And uh, Browns minus 145 looks like the great play. Flacco looked like he was 25 years old again. And uh, I think he's all rejuvenated. Browns at home get the win, minus 145. 
And don't sleep on the Browns in this division race with the Ravens. The Ravens got a really tough game in Jacksonville on Sunday night. And they split the regular season series. Um, A win here for the Browns and a loss for the Ravens puts them one game back. And here's the kicker. That tiebreaker now that they split is going to be conference record, which both teams own a 6-3 and record. Win for the Browns, lose for the Ravens. They're only one game back with a better conference record and an opportunity to finish tied and still win the division. Very you imagine if the Cleveland Browns win the division with Joe Flacco, a Super Bowl winning quarterback, going to the postseason. It's great. With a home playoff game in Cleveland. It's a great start. After everything that's happened with Deshaun Watson's guaranteed contract and him being out and them being, this is nuts. But uh, we think they take care of business on Sunday morning. Another team we think is in a bounce-back spot is the Green Bay Packers. We know how good they are at home at Lambeau whenever it gets really, really freezy. 34 degrees at Lambeau on Sunday. Tampa Bay coming from sunny Florida into the frozen tundra Lambeau field. And Jordan Love is in a backup spot. Had a tough game against the Red Hot Giants team on Monday night. Good bounce-back spot for them. Tampa's actually won the last couple games and sit atop the NFC South. But Green Bay is right there with everybody, man. Six and seven. They're one of five teams on the NFC side that are tied with six and seven. Get to seven and seven here, and you are right into the thick of things here for Green Bay. I think at home, coming off that loss, I think Green Bay plays good football. Jordan Love, been kind of talking with Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Rodgers, I know, is proud of the way this kid's played. If you remember the beginning of the season, everyone was saying this kid's trash. In the last handful of games, he has been looking all the parts that a Green Bay quarterback has looked. Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre-esque, I guess I would say. Mm. Tough game last week, but I think he bounces back here with a win. Green Bay Packers minus 170 to beat the Buccaneers and get to 7-7. Seven and seven. Yeah, Packers at home, I mean, it's really tough to win in Lambeau. Uh, obviously, they've had some issues this year at home. Uh, but, uh, again, they're in a new era with Jordan Love at the helm. Uh, you know... If there is a weakness right now, it is uh, they've been able to not stop the run. However, yeah. Tampa Bay uh, is one of the worst rushing offenses uh, in the league, if not the worst. Not very good. Uh, and, of course, I look at Love at home to be able to gash up uh, that uh, in the offense air, air attack. I like Jordan Love to come back this weekend and take care of business. Packers minus 170 to get the home win and continue their uh, – their successful season with yep. Jordan Love. 7-7 seven and seven, uh, with a win here, trying to get back into the playoff picture here. And um, margin for error is a little bit slimmer for them as when you look at uh, the NFC South, three teams at 6-7 and seven up top of that. And I mean, it's still uh, up there as a debate as to who will win that South, but the, even if the Bucks lose today, uh, they, it doesn't hurt them too much. College basketball reference, the NFC South is a one-bid league. There you go. One big league in the NFC South. Texans and Titans, a big NFC South matchup with the Texans being one of those 7-6 and six AFC teams we talked about. But things have kind of fallen off the rails for them. Um, they have wedged a win against the Broncos in between a pair of losses against Jacksonville and a 30-6 to L at the Jets last week. Zach Wilson looking like Tom Brady out there, best game of his career. Jets win 30-6. to Titans are coming off the upset of the season, defeating the Miami Dolphins 28-27 on Monday Night Football. Um, 
Will Levis is a gamer. He, uh, him and D-Hop have a very good connection. As I said before, in this league this year, a 9-8 and eight finish could get you there, depending on where you are on the tiebreaker side of things. And Tennessee is one of a couple 5-8 and eight teams. The Raiders are one of those teams, and they won Thursday. They got to keep winning. They got to hope to win out and finish nine and eight with an opportunity to slide into the playoffs. And uh, Derrick Henry's running wild. They're at home. Uh, Texans are dealing with some injuries. C.J. Stroud is doubtful. You're probably looking at Davis Mills, and this could be a game that Tennessee rides the momentum from a big win on Monday and keeps it going. We're on Tennessee money line to defeat the Texans. Yeah, actually, the Titans are coming into this game playing their old Houston Oilers. Um, uh, uniforms. That's going to be sweet. So it's going to be those uh, baby blues coming out. Um, Titans at home. Uh, best best win for them, I believe, was his great comeback uh, against the Dolphins. They got some things going. Levis, I like the way he's playing. He's got a nice little uh, connection going on with D-Hop. And uh, you're getting no C.J. Stroud. He is doubtful for the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few of their top receivers are out. Nico Collins out. Uh, Noah Brown is doubtful, and you don't have a very good running game as well for the Texans. Uh, With Davis Mills back there, I think at home, this Titans team takes care of business. That defense will tighten up, and uh, you're just asking the Titans to win the game minus 185. Yeah, I think Titans' money line, if you look at the last three games, very consistent. I know they're 2-1 and one in their last three. A overtime heartbreaking loss to Indianapolis wedged in between two wins. But the consistency piece I'm speaking about is Levis being a top passer, Henry being a top rusher, and Hopkins being a top receiver. Levis threw for 327 on Monday night, and Hopkins had over 100 yards for the first time this season. So I think they're fighting their stride. They play their best football this time of year. Mike Vrabel used to playing in meaningful games in December. And, you know, this is an elimination game for Tennessee. Um, you know, they can't they can't drop another one. And their schedule's right in front of them. They get the Seahawks at home again next week. Then they're at Houston, so they get Houston two times in three weeks. And they finish at home against Jacksonville, which who knows if Jacksonville will have the South wrapped up, maybe resting guys. So the opportunity for the Titans to win uh, these last five games to get the 9-8 and eight with a shot to slide in is still there. And I think they're going to play with a chip on their shoulder and get this win, especially against the beat-up, depleted Texans roster. Last but not least, we know we had to do it, Boogie. How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Dallas Cowboys come in with the biggest win of their season, a blowout victory against the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Buffalo Bills won a wild one against Kansas City last week. Buffalo, once again, this is the sixth team of the six that are 7-6 and six in the AFC. I think it's a difficult spot, though. Dallas playing some of the best football, and you know they got to hold off the Eagles. You know Philly wins out. They will win the division. So Cowboys got to win out and hope Philly drops one somewhere, slide into that two spot, um, maybe even the one spot, depending if the Niners can drop one. The Niners obviously have the tiebreaker over Dallas for the number one overall seed. However, you never know what can happen in this league. Anything can happen at any given time. But uh, the way Dallas is playing, Dak Prescott on an MVP-type pace, 3,500 yards, leads the NFL, 28 touchdowns, leads the NFL. He is fantastic. Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, star power. I think the key is going to be this Dallas defense, the way that Gilmore played last week, locking down A.J. Brown, uh, Parsons off the edge. It's a good Dallas defense who... Demarcus Lawrence. Dude, yes, a big, a good Dallas defense that forces turnovers against a turnover-prone Buffalo offense. 
Allen leads the NFL turnovers. Their running backs fumble the football a lot. And they Dallas has the defensive backs to be able to guard Diggs and Gabe Davis. So I think the edge goes to the Cowboys here. One of those outright winners, Cowboys plus three to wrap up the card. Yeah, you know, I'm a little disappointed. It kind of sucks for the Cowboys. I thought it would be pretty cool to see uh, the, the Diggs brothers uh, play in this game. But unfortunately, Trevon got hurt early in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the other side, Stefan, uh, you know, obviously they've had their issues all season long. The Bills uh, with turnovers, Josh Allen trying to do too much. Um, that running game really hasn't been great for them. Uh, and, of course, uh, you've got Stephon Diggs not getting the ball as much. Uh, so he's been a little bit uh, crabby with uh, Allen. On the other side, though, Cowboys defense has been playing lights out this year. Uh, they had a slip up against the Cardinals, and obviously they lost against Philly earlier in the season in Philly. And, of course, uh, could not uh, handle that uh, high-powered offense against the 49ers. But other than that... Everything has been going right for the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. uh, seven blowout wins. And, of course, now this is the one thing Cowboys got to do. They got to have a complete game, I believe, to be able to beat Buffalo in Buffalo. Uh, best case scenario for us Cowboy fans, I think the weather will hold up. They are saying 71% chance of rain uh, and wind gusts. Uh, so Dak might have to adjust there. And the other thing is... Cowboys on the road playing against a good team. Cowboys have not been able to to show until last week that they could beat a good team, but they were at home against Philly. So I'm very interested to see what they can do. I think this Dallas complete team, they're on a roll. They got momentum, and they're catching three points. Give me the Cowboys plus three against the Buffalo Bills, and I call Cowboys win outright. That wraps it up, Cowboys plus three. Make sure you guys get on these plays. Uh, four plays today, Florida A&M in the Celebration Bowl, Bengals and Broncos in the NFL, Arizona Wildcats in college basketball. And on Sunday, four NFL games, Browns, Packers, and Titans to all win at home with the Cowboys plus three in the afternoon slot. That's a wrap, Boogs. That's um, it. Everybody have a Merry Christmas. Happy yes. holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. Safe travels and everything. We're going to be on a little bit of a hiatus for a couple of weeks. And like I said at the beginning of the program, you can go ahead and uh, catch us. Episode 298 will be December 30th on a Saturday morning. So we'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks. Happy holidays. Bear out. Boogie out.